Good morning. Welcome to Trinity Lutheran Church. I'm Pastor Bibb, and a special warm welcome to any guests or visitors joining us here on this day which the Lord has made and given to us, a day in which we continue to live in His mercy. And as we gather to hear His word and to rejoice in His good gifts, uh, we have this great joy on the first Sunday in Lent to see how the, the Lord has overcome temptation for us. It is a day where we hear of our fall in paradise and then also the overcoming of Satan in the wilderness as Jesus resists temptation. And so then for a closer look at the readings, I'll have you turn to the inside of the back cover of your bulletin where we have a summary of the readings for the day. In the garden, man exalts himself to be a god in place of God. He succumbs to the temptation of the devil and eating of the forbidden fruit, he receives death. But in the sin-cursed wilderness, God humbles himself to become man in place of man. He does not eat, but fasts and bears the onslaughts of the devil for us, that we may be restored to life. Jesus stands as David in our place to do battle against Goliath, Satan. Though outwardly Jesus appears weak, yet he comes in the name of the Lord of hosts. He draws from the five smooth stones of the books of Moses and slings the word of God. The stone sinks into the forehead and the enemy falls. In Christ we are victorious over the devil. Let us therefore not receive the grace of God in vain, but seeing that we have a great high priest, let us come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain help in time of need. And the Lord does indeed call us to come to his not only throne of grace, but to his altar of grace this day to receive his body and blood, given and shed for us for the forgiveness of our sins and the salvation of our souls. But in so doing, he also bids us to be unified as we come forward in the confession, not just concerning his body and blood, but indeed all of what we confess as Christians. Therefore, we do ask that all those joining us at the altar this day be members either of this congregation or of a sister congregation of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, joining us in one common confession where we come to receive the Lord's body and blood. Our service this day is divine service setting four. As it begins on page 203, we now sing the first hymn. O Lord God, you led your ancient people through the wilderness and brought them to the promised land. Guide the people of your church that following our Savior, we may walk through the wilderness of this world toward the glory of the world to come. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. The Old Testament reading for the first Sunday in Lent is from Genesis chapter 3. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, You shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate, and she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. 
And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid, because I was naked, and I hid myself. He said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? The man said, The woman you gave to be with me, she gave me fruit of the tree, and I ate. Then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this that you have done? The woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. The Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and above all beasts of the field. On your belly you shall go, and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. To the woman he said, I will surely multiply your pain and childbearing. In pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be for your husband, and he shall rule over you. And to Adam he said, Because you have listened to the voice of your wife, and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread, till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. The man called his wife's name Eve, because she was the mother of all the living. And the Lord God made for Adam and for his wife garments of skins and clothed them. This is the word of the Lord. The epistle is from 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Working together with him, then, we appeal to you not to receive the grace of God in vain. For he says, in a favorable time I listened to you, and in a day of salvation I have helped you. Behold, now is the favorable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. We put no obstacle in anyone's way, so that no fault may be found with our ministry. But as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way. By great endurance, in afflictions, hardships, calamities, beatings, imprisonments, riots, labors, sleepless nights, hunger, by purity, knowledge, patience, kindness, the Holy Spirit, genuine love. By truthful speech and the power of God, with the weapons of righteousness for the right hand and for the left, through honor and dishonor, through slander and praise, we are treated as impostors and yet are true, as unknown and yet well-known, as dying and behold we live, as punished and yet not killed, as sorrowful yet always rejoicing, as poor yet making many rich, as having nothing yet possessing everything. This is the word of the Lord. The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the fourth chapter. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting forty days and forty nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, 
Again, it is written, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, be gone, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. Then the devil left him and behold, angels came and were ministering to him. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, o Christ. Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God the Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Weak, emaciated, and utterly vulnerable, Christ was in the wilderness, but he was not alone. However, the other with him was no friend. Having fasted 40 days and 40 nights, Satan came to tempt Jesus. All of this was on purpose. Following his baptism in the Jordan River by John, St. Matthew tells us the Holy Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. This was necessary. This testing and tempting in the wilderness was crucial to Christ's ministry and what it was that he came to do for sinners. Thinking back to his baptism, Jesus had heard these words from the Father, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Now, the devil used those very words against him as a taunt. If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. Jesus responds, quoting Deuteronomy 8.3, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. The Son of God shows complete and total trust in his heavenly Father. Could Jesus have done it, that is, turn stones to bread? Well, of course, without question, he's the Son of God, the second person of the Holy Trinity, and yet he withholds his divine power and leans upon the written word of God, the word which God spoke by his prophet Moses. This also is on purpose. Jesus is doing what Adam failed to do. As we heard in the Old Testament reading, the fall of mankind happened due to a lack of fear, love, and trust in God alone. God had spoken his word. Adam knew the truth. He was right there with his wife during the temptation. And instead of trusting and believing God and his word alone, Adam listened to his wife, who had listened to and been deceived by Satan. By an act of eating, Adam plunged the world into sin and death. By an act of fasting... Our Lord Jesus, the second Adam, defeated the devil's temptation to doubt God the Father. Jesus trusted in his Father's word and his Father's provision, even in the midst of extreme circumstances. But the temptation was only beginning. Then the devil took him up to the holy city, Jerusalem, set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you. And on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. Having failed to topple Jesus with a temptation to eat, now Satan tempts Jesus to doubt God's goodness and his protection. The devil, who is the father of lies, attempts to use the truth of Holy Scripture to tempt Jesus into sinning, but he perverts it. He twists it. And Jesus responds with Deuteronomy 6.16. You shall put, not put the Lord your God to the test. 
You see, when Israel was wandering in the wilderness for 40 years, the Lord was exceedingly gracious in his provision and care toward his people. He fed them manna and quail. And as we hear from Deuteronomy 8, their clothing did not wear out and their, their foot did not swell those 40 years. God's merciful provision was glorious. Remember the water from the rock? And yet they sinned. They doubted and grumbled at Massa and Meribah, that place where the Lord watered his flock. So also they spoke against God and Moses, and the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people whose bites were deadly. This was just one of many instances of their disobedience. But if you remember, in that particular instance, God instructed Moses to make a fiery serpent and set it on a pole so that when a person was bitten, they could look at the bronze serpent and live. Now, thousands of years later, Jesus does what Old Testament Israel could not. He trusted his father completely and did not doubt his word and promise. He who would be lifted up on the cross as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness was already winning the victory against the evil serpent, Satan, whose lies and deception had bitten into Adam, Eve, and Israel all those years ago. But the temptation was not over yet. There was one more in the devil's playbook. However, this one was probably the biggest long shot. Having failed twice, the devil tips his hand and reveals what he's really after, worship. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory, and he said to him, all these I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. If you think about it, folks, this one comes off as a little desperate Satan knows Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus knows he is the Son of God. And yet, this doesn't stop the devil from revealing both his arrogance and his true desire to be worshipped. First, the devil presumes that he can actually give away the kingdoms of the world, obviously a lie. Second, the devil flat out tells Jesus that he wants to be worshipped by him. You see, what's really going on here is that Satan tempts Jesus with easy glory. In essence, the devil tells him, so, you're a king. You want to rule, huh? How about this? I give you all the kingdoms of the earth, and all you have to do is worship me. You get to rule, no cross, no beating, no shame, no false accusations, no being forsaken by the Father, just the honor of being king if you worship me. Summarizing the teaching of all of Deuteronomy 8, Jesus rebukes the devil, saying, Be gone, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. The temptation is easy glory. The temptation is victory without suffering. All the rewards with none of the pain, none of the work. Jesus sternly refuses, trusting the word and will of his Father completely. Christ is victorious. He rebukes the devil, and the devil must leave him. Now, why walk through the temptation account with you this morning when you just heard it? While it's true that the depth of meaning is glorious, and that's an understatement, it's not where I'm going with this. There are many concrete parallels between the fall of Adam and the victory of Jesus, the second Adam. So also, fascinating parallels between Old Testament Israel and the wilderness. Jesus being, being Israel reduced down to one man in the wilderness. He is faithful when they are not. God be praised. But just where am I going with this? In the wilderness, Satan tempts Jesus with the same major temptations that we are assaulted with. 
And Jesus wins, thanks be to God. Because if we're honest with ourselves, we so very often fail when presented with similar temptations. We need Jesus to win this battle for us because we can't do it. Our original father in paradise proved this. We need Jesus to be the second Adam that crushes the head of Satan just as was prophesied. Why? Because just like our first parents in the garden, we fail on our own. Think about it like this. Let's start back with that first temptation of stones into bread. What's the temptation for that in you and me? It is to doubt God's provision of daily bread. Satan wants us to doubt that God will provide all we need for this body and life. He stands behind us lying and deceiving every day. Oh, financial problems. You know whose fault that is, right? God. He's holding out on you. What about that promise to provide for your needs? Now, of course, never mind that so many of our financial woes are self-inflicted by confusing wants with needs, especially in our decadent culture. And of course, they are made worse by the sinful choices of other people that we have no influence over, both here and far away. Nevertheless, that does not stop us from blaming God when things go bad for us financially. And isn't it interesting that so many of our problems, or solutions rather, so many of our solutions to problems begin with this thought. Well, if I was in charge, which has shades of, if I was God, see it goes back to the temptation of Adam and Eve that they faced in paradise. The temptation to be like God. There's a dangerous arrogance to that thought. It is true that we can clearly see many evils in this world, many injustices, we have the truth of God's law, his holy Ten Commandments. However, the mirror of God's law reveals us to be just as sinful as our neighbors around us, just as snake-bitten by his evil lies and temptations. Clearly, we need what only God can provide. We need redemption, the forgiveness of our sins, and the salvation of our souls from the devil. We need to repent, to take stock of our God-given blessings, and give thanks to the Lord who is so gracious to us. Rather than reaching out to take for ourselves as our original parents did, what God has not granted, we need to be content with his gracious provision and praise him for giving us the bread of life, Jesus Christ. Adam and Eve took hold of what was forbidden, hoping for greater life, and instead they received death. Let us take hold of what God has given and promised in his word and in his blessed sacrament, and so receive the forgiveness of our sins, eternal life, and victory over the devil. Well, let's look at how the devil tempts us with that second temptation. Notice that he twists and perverts God's word in an attempt to get Jesus to sin. The devil uses the same tactic on us. This is just one of many reasons why it's so important to have a firm grasp on the fundamentals of the Christian faith, on the fundamentals of God's word. This is why I mentioned the importance of the small catechism in our homes. It is not just something to be learned for a few years and cast into the closet or kept as a dusty keepsake. It is for our edification because it teaches us the truth of God's word. We need to be hearing and learning God's word daily. It's not just because I think that what Luther had to say is better than what God said. Such a viewpoint only reveals that one does not truly know what the catechism is. The six chief parts of the Christian faith, along with the daily prayers, table of duties, and Christian questions and their answers, are indeed the fundamental teachings of God's word when you understand them rightly. The core of what it means to know Christ and to be God's baptized child in this fallen world. 
To encourage the study of the small catechism is nothing more than urging a Christian to be and to learn as a Christian. If you know God's word well, then it will be more difficult for the devil to tempt you with false teachings. How many Christians or former Christians do you know who were lured away from Christ with lies such as this? If God is love, why does it matter who you love and how as long as it's love? Or another popular one. If there's only one true God, isn't all spirituality just an expression of how we can worship this God? So then all faiths lead to God? Well, both of these statements are satanic lies which must be confronted and resisted with the truth. And so I'm going to do that just now. To the first statement, God is love. But he is also the one who defines what love is and what love is not. Love is not simply a strong emotional state or a powerful feeling. Often what passes for love in our culture is nothing more than carnal lust, sensuality. Godly love is self-sacrificing, always putting the need of others before yourself. We see God's love in the conscious and deliberate choice of God to send forth his son, born a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who are under the law. As St. John says, in this is love. Not that we have loved God but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. As we heard from St. Paul last Sunday, love is patient and kind. It does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. And God has clearly revealed marriage as being between one man and one woman, united for life, for their mutual joy and edification, and for the procreation of children according to his good and gracious will. Anything to the contrary is a sinful caricature, regardless of what the arrangement is, regardless of what the world says, or rather what the devil says through the world. Because, because God is God, he defines what love is and what love is not. He defines what marriage is and what marriage is not. And though we are quick to run to all the examples of same-sex marriage and the perversions of marriage there, we ought not forget also that sexual sin is just as easily committed and often committed by heterosexual couples as well. Again, even in this matter, we are tempted to be like God and to redefine what God has written in his word. As far as the second example I gave... Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And St. Peter preached the same, saying, There is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name given, no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Let this suffice as a clear and simple answer to those who falsely claim that all faiths lead to the one true God. As for the devil's third and final temptation, we see how the devil wants worship, not only from Jesus, but from us also. The Christian life involves suffering. We live in a sinful, fallen world, and Jesus has told us that we will suffer in this life. As with our Lord, the devil wants us to take the easy way and to deny the struggle that comes with being connected to Christ, baptized into Christ. Instead of taking up our cross and following Jesus, the devil would have us lay down our cross and do, well, anything else. Sleep, party, get lost in money, possessions, and social media. Worship our family and friends instead of God. It doesn't matter what lures you away from Jesus into unbelief. The devil desires your destruction. 
as I told you many times, he's the ultimate pragmatist. He doesn't care how he gets you away from Jesus just as long as he doesn't. And you see, the great difficulty is that this is the weakness of our fallen flesh. Our old sinful nature wants to go along with him. Our old sinful nature is lazy. Our sinful flesh wants the easy life, the praise and admiration of our peers, and lots of comfort along the way. Honestly, folks, were it not for the work of Christ and his spirit, we would be utterly lost. But thanks be to God, we have a champion who has come to fight, whom God himself elected. Christ has overcome the devil in the wilderness and on the cross for you. He did what we could not. The old satanic foe could not overcome the Son of God who came and died for your salvation. He crushed the head of the serpent. And now in his word and sacrament, Jesus absolves your sins and he feeds you with himself, the very bread of heaven. And by his Holy Spirit, the Lord leads us in repentance and faith, the good shepherd ever leading his sheep to his life-giving promises. By an act of eating, Adam fell. By an act of fasting, Jesus resisted the devil. And now in his holy supper, Christ feeds you the fruit of his cross, the forgiveness of your sins, eternal life, and salvation. And so let us ever cling to Christ our Savior, who has overcome the evil one, and gives to you his blessed eternal kingdom, the promise of a paradise that will not end. In the face of sin, death, and the devil, we cling to Jesus Christ, who has overcome them all by his cross and his empty tomb. In the name of Jesus, amen. The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Let us pray for the whole church of God in Christ Jesus and for all people according to their needs. O Lord, you sought Adam and Eve in the garden and called them to repentance. Seek us when we wander from your holy word and give us contrite hearts to confess our sins and receive the forgiveness and restoration you promise us. Lord, in your mercy. Father in heaven, your son trampled the serpent underfoot and freed us from sin and death by his own death on the cross. Protect and preserve all who are called to preach Christ and him crucified. Command your angels to guard them in all their ways and bear them up for the sake of Jesus. Lord, in your mercy. O Lord, you created the home as the place where we are brought up in the ways of truth, goodness, and mercy. Sustain parents in their sacred charge and grant that our homes will be places of confession and forgiveness of sins. Lord, in your mercy. O Lord, you have established earthly authorities to punish evil and praise those who do good. Grant our rulers humble hearts to resist the allure of power and to worship you alone. Lord, in your mercy. Almighty God, your Son was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to suffer temptation for our sake. Strengthen us when we are tempted, and teach us to rely upon your word as our defense against the evil one. Lord, in your mercy. Almighty God, send your holy angels to protect and keep us in your ways, that no evil may befall us. Graciously behold the needy, the sick, and the troubled, especially Charlotte Locke, Emma Kranz, Richard Phillips, Shirley Dover, John Mottman, Ron Lyon, Bob Rash, Erlene Lakey, Lisa Rash, and Ted Phillips. Satisfy us with long life and show us your salvation. Lord, in your mercy. Hear our prayer. 
Almighty God, you covered the shame of our first parents with animal skin and thereby foreshadowed the perfect sacrifice of the shedding of your son's blood, by which we are cleansed and clothed. Give us the garments of repentance and faith that we may receive your son's body and blood for the forgiveness of all our sins. Lord, in your mercy. Lord God, Heavenly Father, you have given us a refuge from the world and the body of Christ. Protect us from all evils of body and soul, that we would find rest in this life and eternal rest in your heavenly embrace. Through the same Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Again, and good morning and welcome to all of you as we have begun this season of Lent. Uh, looking to our calendar this week, of course, uh, Sunday School and Bible Study following after worship this day. And then this coming Wednesday, a full day as we continue with our midweek schedule, please note that at 9 o'clock we do have our Lutheran Confession Study Group and then the midweek school and evening Lenten Vespers uh, as follows later in the day. And then this Thursday we also do have Handbell Choir at 7 uh, o'clock in the evening. There are uh, Lenten devotion books available on the glass case out there and then some back in the narthex there. There are a limited number, so I do ask that you take one per household. If we run out, please let me know because I can order more and get more in. I just didn't want to order a whole huge stack of them and then not you know, have uh, as many go out. So please just let me know and I'll be happy to order more uh, if, in, in fact, we do run short. And then also just a reminder that um, uh, the Trinity Women's Group is going to be serving light suppers on Wednesday. And there's contacts there in the bulletin if you'd like to volunteer with any of these wonderful ladies to help uh, clean up or prepare meals in the coming weeks. Anything that I may have missed? All right, well, seeing nothing, God's peace be with you as you go into this week, knowing that Jesus has overcome the devil for you, and he sends his spirit to lead and guide you, that you might resist the same with his holy word and always resting in his gracious forgiveness. I'll preach you at the door.